Welcome to the Eat, Talk, Sleep podcast, where three Christians sit down and talk about a variety of issues, ranging from church history all the way to theology and world issues. Today, we're talking about the, the Reformation of the 16th century. And we hope that we can sit down, relax and enjoy. We thought for our first pilot episode that we're doing here, we thought we would try something fairly straightforward. And we say this and it probably won't be straightforward, but we thought we'd give it an attempt anyway, which is the Reformation of the 16th century. So it's a church history topic we're going to start off with. Now, two of us are historians. One of us is Josh. You know, that should be um, <laughs> enough. <laughs> that should be enough. And it's a topic that, you know, is really important for, for Christians to, um, to know. It's a really, really amazing part of our, of our heritage. But one thing I've noticed over many years that, you know, I've been a Christian, especially around universities and the like, is that how little our generation, you know, those in the 20s and younger, we know about information. It isn't, it isn't something that really many people know about, which is quite sad. Really, I don't know what your guys' experiences are, but I mean, have you found people know about Reformation? I mean, Josh is different. You know, Josh comes from you know, a, a background, homeschooling know... background, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you probably know probably more people who know about Reformation, I'd imagine, um, than than myself. But state school, do you? yeah, state school. That's, that's another topic we have to work on or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch the fist fly as it go across that. Um, but Ryan, what about you? I mean, how do you feel people will know about the Reformation? Well, having taught it, and I teach international students, um, I gave a lecture on the Reformation, and this was the first time most of them had ever studied it. So what I did was I went through and explained not only the history, but also the theology behind the Reformation. So they actually got a deeper understanding of not only... Um, the history but also well what was actually motivating this reformation and how how are the catholics and protestants different because that difference as we'll look at later on is often not fleshed out in a very explicit or clear way and i think that has had serious implications for the way that people view the reformation often with ignorance wondering well why why the reformation not understanding why um, this difference was so significant. I think when we talk about the history later, that'll be a theme that we talk about quite a lot. Mm. I'll just, just come in there as well, very briefly, that people really, in our current time, really don't know the difference really about Catholics and Protestants. Like, people don't really understand the difference that often. And I think that is, it's problematic, as Ryan said, and it's, it's quite annoying because uh, there are huge differences as we'll learn about in doing this this kind of little episode that we're recording here. Um, I'll say this, and Josh will probably come and go, actually, no, Michael, all the same. And I was like, <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, so the first question that I'd like to ask you guys, really, is why should we study church history, specifically, and then more precisely the Reformation? So why should we know about our church history? Let's go first with that one. 
Go on, Josh. Yeah, so why should we study church history? I mean, I think it is a fantastic question. I don't really think we're going to be able to do it justice in uh, 25, 30 minutes. But I think it's, you know, the, the primary reason we, we should, uh, as Christians, study church history is to see uh, how we got where we are today. Um, so, you know, lo- looking back over you know, the, the field of church history, you can see, uh, you know, a number of different figures uh, rising at various points uh, to defend the church, to defend the Christian faith, to defend uh, the doctrines of grace or, uh, you know, these key fundamental uh, doctrinal points. Um, and I think when those, when, those, when those points, when those key tenets of our faith are, are under attack, uh, that's often when uh, our theology is best and uh, most strongly expressed. You know, so you, you look back at Athanasius and uh, Augustine, you know, way back in the uh, the fourth and fifth uh, centuries AD. And the the kind of stuff that they came came out with, uh, you know, was 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 only made all the stronger by the uh, the Arian uh, heresy and uh, the, the others who, who stood against them. Uh, so it really you know, backs them into a corner and they come out with uh, some amazing theology that um, that you know, we still benefit from today. Uh, but yeah, just being able to study that and being able to look back uh, and see, you know, how how the church has survived and how um, how God has been, uh, you know, uh, true to His word. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, said, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail." And uh, that promise rings true to this day. You know, the church uh, has been built, and the gates of hell have not prevailed, and uh, God's word has been uh, carried forth to all the world. Uh, so just I mean, I find it personally, I find it very fascinating just seeing how uh, the disciples, you know, the, the first followers of Christ fulfilled that great commission that Jesus uh, gave them. Uh, and then how successive generations of Christians and, and believers have have shared the gospel, shared the good news of the gospel. And um, so, it, I mean, it is it really should be uh, we should all set aside time to, to study and to read and to uh, talk about, discuss as we're doing uh, right now. Uh, to discuss this this great and glorious subject, and I think uh, I think it really is a subject that can lead us to to glorify God and to praise Him for uh, bringing us through to where we are today. Amen about that. I can definitely um, concur with some of your points, and especially you know I think it can help us as well combat some issues we face today. How do Christians in the past do all these things as well? Uh, really does help us. Ryan, what do you think on? Subject. Well, it's highly biblical. Look at Paul's letters. Look at Chronicle. If we go to the Old Testament, look at Chronicles. Look at Isaiah. Um, look at Samuel. Look at the Psalms. History is built in church. History is built into those books in the, in Scripture. Um, and one thing I talked to students about when we were we were doing a lecture on historiography, so the history of history, for those of you who want me to break down that big word, um, is that Psalms, they tell they tell us for Israel's history, of Israel's deliverance. Um, and they allow us, and they can help us chart different moments in the chronology of the Bible. So for like every part of the Old Testament, there is a Psalm, and that is amazing. Um and for example, a few weeks ago in Psalm study, which me, Michael and Josh um, do quite regularly, um, we we looked at a Psalm which almost detailed in a very concise way the Exodus history. So I think 
church history is biblical. And it comes from this biblical notion of history, which we as believers is very should should you know really focus on. I think church history is not just an academic pursuit, um, as much as say me and Michael sometimes see it that way. It's a biblical pursuit, and actually in our walk, in our growth of biblical knowledge and understanding, church history is integral, as shown with the books in the Bible. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? You said just how intrinsic history is in, especially the Old Testament, especially. Uh, that the nation of Israel were often told to remember their past, often told to look back. Even their festivals were acts of remembrance, remembering what God had done uh, for them throughout the centuries. We as Christians are no different in that. Now, we have no festivals to commemorate these things, but we don't need them. We've got all these books, we've got all this knowledge to look back and remember. Not to, um, like, like Mandelsize, as we go on later, talk about, but to remember what God had done and the amazing things he has done for his people throughout the centuries, which Josh brought out as well uh, earlier. You know, it's point that we do look back. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to be you know, scholars and we have to, like, look at all these all these books and you know you have to learn every single book out there about about church history but i think the key thing is we must be aware we must be aware of our pasts um of the saints of old to see the amazing things god's done in them and and to celebrate their lives uh, in a wonderful way because by doing so it helps us in our, in our present times which i think is important josh I, I see that you are itching to get back into the <laughs> i discussion. am yes yeah i mean I, I had the privilege of being raised in, in a Christian household and I was surrounded by many good Christian books and many uh, good accessible uh, Christian books on, on history and you know, con- biographies and uh, all, all manner of uh, goodies. Um, but like just, you know, something that, uh, you know, and something that is very, very powerful and, and, and stick, you know, will often stick with you throughout your life is just uh, hearing stories and testimonies of how, uh, God has saved people, you know, in, in, in times past and how God has used people. And, uh, you know, some of the, the stories and testimonies of, of people, you know, in, in the early days of, of the Christian church. And, you know, they, they faced martyrdom. They faced uh, intense persecution. And yet they stood firm. And, you know, there's some fantastic stories in there. And, uh, you know, there's uh, I mean, we, we all love good stories, um, but like you know the, the, these these are stories that that tell uh, that you know that show uh, god's mercy and his love and his goodness and his grace in in keeping these people in delivering these people and um that i think is one of the most powerful witnesses that we have you know the personal testimonies of, of believers throughout the centuries um and i mean yeah and there is i, I remember reading um, books by irene howard and katherine mckenzie uh, just to name two uh, and and they would you know often be just really short, really accessible, and you know, just love you know it really bring you know they really bring it alive. And uh, you know it's not it's not like you were saying the it's not the academic uh, study uh, so much as just you know it's almost like you're reading a a novel. Uh, you know and you know what the you know the old saying uh, truth is stranger than fiction, and I think uh, that is definitely the case. Yeah, I think I think you're certainly right there, and. One thing that I find with, you know, the Bible and especially the, the command for testimonies as well, is that they tell 
God's people, what was done for your life. And these are almost testimonies from the past. The testimonies throughout history of what God's done. So it's nothing different, nothing different than that. And our response should be to praise God for those things. Oh, wow, look at what God's done for his people here. Hallelujah. What a, what a saviour, what a God that we serve. Okay, so church history is important. Okay, we got that. So why, why is the Reformation particularly important for us to study? What's about the Reformation that is so unique, so intrinsic, so special for us as, as believers? Because we hear this term, don't we, in churches, Reformation and all this kind of thing. But what's so important? Why? And I see that you're ready to go in this. Well, I think the first thing studying the Reformation does is it tells us how we got to where we are today in terms of our teachings, what is taught, or in other words, doctrine. Um, it also teaches us um, important, links to that, important true parts of our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the key truths that um, are so important. Um, it also highlights the importance of scripture and the inerrancy of scripture that scripture is so important in our walk um and i think linked to that the reformation also highlights um you know the challenges the body the church has faced historically and what um and what what we what we're up against as as a faithful remnant and this is something that's very important um and as i'll say later and i'm going to allow i'll let you guys go on with what you think but as i'll say a little bit later often the term reformation has been trivialized or made to appear what it's not when we look at some very questionable teaching um but we'll come back to that because i think there's an important thing on its own so if i if i hand it over to someone else um, yeah go for it i mean what you said, Ryan, was some really important parts. I mean, the Reformation is this wonderful moment, isn't it? Where, I mean, it's tough because obviously, I know me and Josh discussed this many times, is that obviously there were Christians <laughs> before, before the Reformation. No Christians, but they're way before. But what the Reformation does, it makes the Bible accessible to everyone. It combats really false teaching. It allows the gospel to, to shine. Um, Speak for itself. Speak for exactly mm-hmm. speak for itself. It transforms lives. It transforms communities. It shapes us as nations today. Look at how even Europe is uh, today. All national boundaries. A lot of them come from the formation times. Like it's reshaped really the whole continent we live in, which is really important. But even as Christians, you know, the fact that we can read the Bible in our own language, the fact that we can um, worship in our different, very different ways, perhaps, well, all come from the formation. We see people making stands for the gospel, even though it costs them their life. You know, we see Christians dealing with heresies and attacks against the gospel, and we see how they respond to it. So there's always kind of things that we can learn from it as believers. A lot of times we always think we've got to do something new. We've got to figure out some kind of new way to do something. But actually, the first lesson is to see how has God worked in the past? How has he worked and Josh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I really think the the Reformation, in so many ways, was was a rediscovery of of the Bible and of the the gospel and of you know the glories of uh, salvation in Christ and salvation in 
in in Christ alone and you know by by faith alone you know we could go on to the the five solas of of the reformation mm. um but you know i mean it, i mean i mentioned augustine uh, earlier and i i think it's um bb warfield um who describes the reformation as the triumph of augustine's doctrine of grace over augustine's doctrine of the church uh, you know so this this reformation you know had its uh, you know the 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 first tremors if you if you will you know the the origin you know the origins are way back in in the teaching of augustine and uh you know because augustine was was a roman catholic and he had mm-hmm. uh, many errant views of the role of the church and of the role of uh, a pope you know as the supreme leader of the church um and yeah there were there were many problematic issues there which uh, were you know weren't finally tackled until the reformation you, know, you had a long period of uh you know deep superstition and you know all kinds of uh, political struggles and you know you had uh popes and anti-popes and uh yes the, so the reformation was a uh you know was was a return to to the gospel return to uh that you know that 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 message of of the gospels and that message that was first proclaimed by the apostles and the disciples well, we can think, can't we, how many false teachings got into the into the church in this period? I mean, beforehand, it is an, a huge number. You know, you've got you know people paying away out of purgatory, for example. There's a oh goodness me, you know, as as a as a huge as a huge heresy. Do you know? Do you know the uh, the Johann Tetzel line? Uh, you know, he he was he was a, a priest who who went round trying to. Um, get poor people basically mostly poor people to give to give money uh, so they could build st peter's basilica in rome you know this glory i mean if ever you get the chance to, to visit i mean i haven't but like it's, uh, it's a magnificent feat of architecture and design uh, but it was paid for by uh, the the hard-earned savings of many poor people and he i mean he was an extortioner he would he would say uh, you know his his line was the coin in the copper rings uh, the soul from purgatory springs uh, so if you give your money uh, your dead relatives your you know long lost aunt agatha uh, you know she's not going to have to suffer so long in purgatory she's going to be able mm-hmm. to move on to heaven if, if you if you give if you give me your money uh, i mean it was it, i mean shocking it really was uh, and he uh, he got his comeuppance eventually uh, tetzel um, but maybe we can discuss that at, at a later date I think the the confidence of Tetzel that'll be a whole whole episode. Yeah. I mean, I'll just I don't want to speak second. I'll just jump in on just that response to that as well, Josh. Is that what you see? Don't you? Especially because again, there were definitely Christians in the Catholic Church. We were not none of us ever would ever say there wasn't uh, in that moment. But what you see is that before the Reformation, you see a very man-made religion that is exploiting people that is using. Uh, phrases that uh, verses out of context, all these kind of things to exploit people, and it's gone where you know, I feel what it says this, so I'm going to follow what I want it to say. That's what that's what, that's what doctrines happen. It's very similar to what we see today with a lot of doctrines that actually I feel it should be good to say what I want it to say now. So I'm going to change it away. I'm going to change it to be what I want it to be. And almost we're seeing that almost a return to that in some ways in the present day. But what the information did is that, it, 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 as Josh said very perfectly, let the gospel speak for itself. Let the word speak for itself. The word shone out. It wasn't. There was no interference by um, by man's views or you know man's ideas. It was the gospel, you know, true and the words of God being 
boldly proclaim as they are. That is why it's so important. And when we see the gospel today being changed and swapped and challenged because people are like, do you know what, I, don't, that, I feel that, that doesn't make me feel happy about myself. The Reformation tells us, you know, where that leads in some ways. I mean, we need to go hold hold them to the biblical truth. That is that is the, the Bible. And Ryan, you had your hand up. Sorry, I'll, I'll go to yeah. you. Well, I think the Reformation is about going back to the fundamentals, going back to the... Um, the, the mission of the early church, which, um, you know, once Rome had taken it on, it became something a lot more political, a lot more about man, a lot more about gl- almost glorifying and edifying man, not God. And one of the key key aspects of the Reformation is to God be the glory. That's one of the key aspects of it. Yeah. And... What, is ha- what was happening in the Catholic Church was man was being glorified. The Catholic Church was intertwined with the monarchies and it all became very much a political project. And I think the Reformation yeah. is very much critiquing the, ins- the, the institution. Um, and so it's very important that we divorce this idea of the church as in the body and Rome and the Roman Catholic church in inverted commas, which is more of an institution. Um, and so it's very important. I think that we recognize yeah, this think, political dimension. So, sorry. And I, I think, I think the, you know, like what you're saying there about, you know the, the the Roman Church and the the Roman Catholic Church. They they really had lost their way by that point, and it was it was instead of being you know the kingdom of of God on earth, it was the kingdom of man on earth, and it was all you know they they had their feet far too heavily uh, on this earth. They weren't they weren't uh, thinking of spiritual matters at all. They were thinking about how they can fill their pockets and how they can uh, you know get more money. And uh, I mean there you know there was there was um, you know, there was all sorts of uh, horrendous acts going on and, um, you know, like some of the, some of the, the ways these, uh, you know, these these monks and these uh, priests and bishops and archbishops and um, cardinals and I can't think of any other type, you know, the, the, all sorts of titles they give themselves. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like there's, there's a whole catalogue of abuses uh, that they that you know that, that they committed and i think their greatest abuse was you know turning away from god and and failing to give him the glory and and going after mammon uh, going after money and uh, wealth and things on this earth instead of you know preaching that gospel that you know that was their duty they were uh, shepherds under shepherds uh, meant to be under shepherds under christ but they uh, you know they set themselves up and they uh, failed to preach the gospel and you, you know instead of preaching the gospel in uh, words and language that people could understand meeting them where they're at which was the model you know laid before us by the apostle paul uh, instead of that they would you know have uh, latin chants that no one could understand and you know the whole service would be in latin and not in the people's tongue and uh, you know religion was for the few and not the many <laughs> uh, dare i say it um unbelievable josh <laughs> I just jump in there a minute there, Josh. You guys are on on something amazing, uh, not amazing, but important. Is, no, is I that... don't even think it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but the Reformation is a move away from man-centered to God-centered. Yeah, and I think that is so important. Um, why should we start the Reformation? 
But what's, what's important that we remember as Christians today, because it tells us and reminds us to be God-centered Christians. You look at the five solas, scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. They're all about God. They're all focused on God. The man is diminished. God is Increased. <laughs> increased exalted well, it's the john the baptist type thing isn't it you know he you know i must decrease and he must increase you know and that obviously should be the watchword of all of us as believers you know we should all be seeking to make ourselves small and make our god big exactly and in today's you know today's christianity those five sodas are so important for us now you know i think when gospel's being challenged especially Something that I definitely have seen in, in, in the last 10 years, you know, very more individualistic nature in church, the, you know, the I is much more important than, say, God is, um, where what I feel is more important than what the Bible says. Um, you know, I, I want church to make me comfortable and happy about myself. The five solids actually tell us that isn't scriptural, that isn't right. And when you go back to that, they help to remind us, us for us to stay on track, stay on Keep the point. grounded, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes, exactly. Keep us grounded. And so why should we as Christians, going back to our questions, why should we study it? Because it keeps us grounded. Again, we have to come academic scholars who know every single thing about every single detail, every single person. But to know the simple things about Reformation, to know the simple five solids, um, even some of the catechisms and some of the uh, wonderful things that come out of that really help us. Yeah. It was the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, what is our hope in life, life and death, Christ alone. Christ alone. What wonderful words. And mm-hmm. I think we know why should we why should why should we study the Reformation? Because those words are so wonderful that help us in our walk. Yeah, go go for it, Josh. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I I'm I'm not an academic scholar, you know, my uh, you know, my specialities, if I have any, uh, lie elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, just just getting stuck into to history and reading some of the stories of how uh, people overcame such great, uh, you know, I mean, as, as a kid, as a youngster, you know, as I read the Bible, you know, like I'd often be, you know, really, you know, the story of Ehud, uh, you know, the left-handed assassin who, uh, you know, took care of Eglon, king of Moab, and you know all all these kind of stories. You know, they're, they're it's Bolly's own stuff. You know, to to quote a phrase. You know, like there's, uh, you, know, you know, there's so many great stories and great escapades. And uh, you know, I, I recall um, one of the best uh, short overviews, in my opinion, of the Reformation is the Unquenchable Flame by uh, Dr. Michael Reeves. And I mean, on, I, I recall reading on the the back. Uh, the, on the back cover of that book it you know it, it, it uses language like you yeah, know nuns on the run uh you know all, all kinds of things happening and 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 that was you know that that was you know there are some fascinating stories of the reformation you know it's just not you know it's not all about uh you know this you know maybe intellectual history or you know this uh, intellectual theology even you know there's 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 a lot of very accessible uh, stories and uh you know uh, all kinds of uh, tales that you know are great for reading and and also uh you know bring glory to god because you see how he brought these people through uh, at that particular time yeah i mean something you said there josh uh where you said something intellectual theology i mean very nicely put because again we are we are all theologians because theology is the study of well, god we should be yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah but you, you put it right intellectual theologians you know, and they're all called to be that way inclined but what another thing about the formation and last thing before we move to the last question we're going to look at 
is again, it's, it's lots of individual, individual believers. Take Martin Luther, right? How he stood up against certain forces, certain figures, you know, to defend the gospel, to stand up for gospel truth. Again, it is a great testament of God's faith, of God's strength through him. And she gives encouragement again that when the gospel is being attacked here to stand up, doesn't it, as well? Reminds us to that. I mean, he wrote those words, isn't he? Uh, uh, let mortal, um, let good and kindreds go, this mortal life also, and his wonderful, um, wonderful hymn. Reminds us, doesn't he, really? This life isn't what it's, what it's about. You know, to stand firm for the gospel, that's what, that's what we're called to do. So it also helps us to stand firm, to fight the fight, as, we, as we're called to do, um, not, not with swords or stuff, but to stand up and to be counted, to um, be bold in our faith, and these kind of things are wonderful encouragements for us as well. Um, again, we'll talk about why, again, being careful about why we, why it's, we need to be careful that we don't over-romanticise it. And we'll go to that maybe on to now as a last point to go on to. So why should we as Christians be careful about over-romanticising like, history such as Reformation? Why? I know that you might want to, might want to, might want to come into at this point. Yeah. So the, I think there are, there are multiple ways. Um, so I think I'm going to leave the whole point about reformed Christians romanticising it to you, um, Josh. So I'll leave that point to you and Josh because I think that's something um, which beforehand we spoke. I think you can address that quite well. But I wanted to talk about. Um, a phenomenon which we're seeing at the moment called the New Apostolic Reformation. So it's essentially a movement, for those of you who don't know, of um, of churches where people, um, either priests um, or pastors is a more appropriate way to say it, who have apostolic authority. And what that has meant is that it's, um, the church um, is these new doctrines are starting to emerge, which are, are largely abiblical, quite cha- quite problematic actually, um, and in many ways um, this apostolic authority almost resembles that of which the Catholic Church thought it had um, and still thinks it has, um, and so it's very interesting. But the point I wanted to talk about was the way in which Reformation is used in a very trivial um, manner. The Reformation is not was not an easy business. What the Reformers had to face, Calvin, um, Luther, what they had to face, um, you know, in the English Reformation, what the Reformers had to face to, was persecution at different moments. Um, you know, and as we saw with the Thirty Years' War in the 1700s, um, we saw one of the bloodiest conflicts that wasn't matched until the Second World War in Europe. It tore a continent apart. Um, the Reformation was, you know, and we can praise God and we can thank God for this, um, for, for, the, for the faithful remnant returning um, to its roots, to that mission of the early church, we have to remember Reformation is not something we should overly romanticise, something we should overly trivialise, because the Reformation had deep and quite traumatic um, implications. Um, 
and that had and that its scars could be felt throughout the early modern period um mm -hmm. and they still resonate to this day um look at what's happening in northern ireland um even though it's kind of assumed a much more political um form you still see the orangeman marches you still see that legacy of protestant versus catholic um why is the whole uh, dispute over the Irish border still such a contentious thing? Um, and there is that division must be understood going back to the Reformation. I think that's very important. Um, even if it's assumed a very different thing now in 2021, we have to recognise that the Reformation, these divisions were brought about by the Reformation. Um, um, and that's very important. I think we... Um, we we can't we can't say oh it'd be great to have another reformation tomorrow because that the trauma that the church, that people had to go through in that time um, we we don't want to see a repeat of the thirty years war. Um, oh, we yeah. I mean yeah, um, but we do also we we do want to see a return to you know the church's biblical roots at the absolutely. same absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's that weird thing, isn't it? I mean, why I'm so right. I mean, the Thirty Years' War. You know, millions of people suffer in the Thirty Years' War. It's one of the worst wars Europe experiences, really, uh, in its history. And and it is tough. And so we 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 must be aware of how tough it was. It wasn't just suddenly, ah, oh, everyone's happy, everyone's good. We split from the Catholic Church. Everything's dandy. It's it creates tensions, it creates problems, and it does create issues throughout the centuries. So yeah, we shouldn't just you know look back and go, oh, that was fantastic. But we should we, we do need to look back and realise the issues it did cause and the troubles it did cause. And at the same time, we must also recognise that, that, that the reformers weren't perfect as well. They, they they had their issues. They did mess up time and time again because they're humans, and they are humans just like me and you and so they would they will mess up um that's nothing new i mean i think everyone here on, here on this call here tonight we all mess up daily yearly um mm. and i think that's important in the you know, as well but we shouldn't put on pedestals absolutely it them who did it it was god who, who yeah. under yeah. i I've, I've just started a book uh, on on the anabaptists um and you know it's, it's looking at how well the anabaptists have been misrepresented um, over the past well, mm. four or five hundred years, you know, because the Anabaptists were a group of people. There were some nutters, there were some uh, real wackos, as it were. Um, but you know, they were a group of people who were seeking, you know, to to practice a believer's baptism, um, and they were ruthlessly persecuted by, you know, uh, Old Zwingli, uh, Calvin, Luther, and and many others. You know, they were chucked in rivers, they were burnt at the stake, uh, they were treated abominably. Uh, and yes, you know, fair enough. Some of them were uh, certainly heretics, and some of them certainly had some odd ideas. Um, but you know, that's that's where we find today. I mean, I'm a I'm a Baptist. I wouldn't say I'm a proud Baptist, but like that's you know, we we trace our origins uh, to 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 the Anabaptists and to that movement. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I think one of the dangers of over romanticizing the Reformation is um, you know is is painting it all as black and white and. You know, we want to know who are the goodies and who are the baddies. Uh, but the reality is, you know, even Calvin, Luther, uh, Melanchthon, you know, uh, Bullinger, whoever you want to mention, they were all uh, deeply flawed individuals. I mean, the saying that I think rings true 
uh, is that the greatest of men have the greatest of faults. Yeah, that's quite a good saying. Uh, Ryan, can you come in and answer or respond or say yeah. whatever you want to say? Well, the fact you have various schisms, starting with the Reformation, starting you know in England um, with the growth of nonconformism. Um, <laughs> Michael's cheering there. Is, is because <laughs> we are so bad. We are sinful we are and we we divert from biblical teaching mm. and one thing i say is the reason why there are so many different denominations and splits is because we and um denominations go completely off track and the faithful remnant have to leave they have yeah. to they because they can't they can't stand for this they have to take a stand somehow all that reveals is not a goodies and baddies narrative it shows how bad we are and how bad our sin is and the fact that we have denominations of new church is just revelatory of that, really. Mm, yeah, yeah, and, and it shows uh, it shows how easy uh, the sin, uh, you know, that, that our sin and the devil can creep into the church, and how we must always be on our guard. And uh, I think, well, I think having this as a you know a whole can of worms, perhaps you know, it's a ma- it's a massive issue. But you know, uh, as Christians, we can be so finicky about things that don't really matter for instance you know i'm i'm a baptist and i go to presbyterian church you know i i don't see you know <laughs> this presbyterian church's practice of infant baptism as a fundamental issue it's not an issue for me to to leave that church now, it doesn't mean to say i'm uh, i'm slowly converting i don't i don't believe i am uh, but you know i think we have to uh, find what we can agree on find you know define what are the fundamental issues what are the issues we are prepared to die on you know there may be issues we're prepared to fight on and baptism is believers baptism is certainly an issue i would i would fight on uh, but it's not one it's not a hill to, to die on yeah and again the reformation if we treat it right teaches us teaches us these things it does teach us these things if we look at it correctly rather than looking at this lovely view where you know, everyone was getting along and the Protestants beat those nasty Catholics and they, everything was dandy. That's not how it was. Um, you know, we are still, we, people were still lived in, in, in sin and uh, still issues that they faced. I think there's, a, I mean, Ryan doesn't know much more about this, but me and you, Josh, do. I mean, in the reform movement, the emancipation of the of Reformation, I've come across it a few times where you you go to a talk and speakers like talk about reformation and it's like so it's the best thing in the world and everything is perfect and they're thinking hang on that that isn't how it was yes god moved and yes that's why it's fantastic but we need to be careful that we don't just think we live in the worst time they live in the best time because that that isn't how it is and i think that way we almost get christians who want to live in the past to live in the past yeah. rather than living in the present yeah, and that's danger there's a, there's a definite extreme there i mean you compare that with secular historians who kind of jump to the other extreme and you know they yeah. the, the reformation was a was a was a terrible thing that should never have happened um yeah it's it's yeah. that it's that line it's, it's why christians we look back reformation and we see the wonderful truth that came out of it and we can see wonderful things that happen out of it but at the same time, we can also look at it and go, yeah, there are a lot of issues there as well. Cast a critical eye over it. Yeah, not yeah. just an unthinking, accepting everything that's given to us on a plate. That, that must be true. It's also said it. it <laughs> well, must Michael have said so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's why. I, that's that's, that's man-centred again, isn't it? It's, it's not God-centred. It's man-centred. You know, well, Calvin said so. Well, he may have said so. But what does the Bible say? What does God say? 
this is where I get, get, get controversial, guys. I hate when it's called <laughs> I hate when it's called Calvinism because it put the man in the center of it. Yeah, I've always followed like Doctors of Grace because of Grace. it takes the man out of it. Uh, for example, I don't like how we do look at these people and go, "Oh, they were the wonderful thing," but then they're not. It's not the case yes. at all. Is so, God who who made them great? God who exactly. made them wonderful. I mean, if we're going to call them wonderful, uh, I mean, Calvin, well, I mean, I think he was a man who was greatly used and greatly blessed by God, but he he had his faults. Exactly, exactly. And I think the one thing is, I, I see Ryan's raise his hand, I'll go to you in a second, Ryan. One thing I just want to just briefly say is that when we look back to information as Christians, we don't want to live in the same time. We shouldn't want to live in the same thing. We shouldn't want enough information. We should want God to move again, like he did with information. That's what we should want. It's got to move. Yeah, the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah, exactly. Whether that is another fashion, whether it is just uh, arrivals, wherever it could be, that's what our longing should be. Um, because I think Ryan put out the tragedy of the Reformation, all these things. Uh, you know, they are. You know, it's it's really daunting, but at the same time, the blessing that God did in that dot and at that time, the blessing God did was incredible as well, and that's a wonderful thing. God moves in amazing, mysterious ways. As, um, as the hymn writer says, Ryan, you've got... Well, I, I would say that actually something that's very important also when we talk about God moving, we let's look at the 1730s and 1740s and the Great Awakening in yeah. the United States. Um, very important because what um, we see is that you, we don't necessarily have the Reformation... Um, but we do have moments of revival. Yeah. And that's very important that revival doesn't mean total reformation. It means that God will still work with his faithful remnant. Um, we don't have to go to the extremes as we saw in the reformation. I think that's very important. Um, that one thing as we've already brought out is that we should look for revival. We should look for God to work, God to work with our people and again, what does that come back to? The focus on the scripture, focus on our own sin, um, focus on preaching the gospel, which people like Whitfield, Wesley were all doing. Um, and that's very important, um, that the gospel-centeredness of the Reformation is important. Um, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean we have to then go through that massive, um, what was the political, religious, social shift god God can move in in other ways and god did as shown in the great awakening did move in other ways um exactly exactly right i think that's the thing maybe a good point to end on is is that you know is that god can move in amazing ways so the the the, the, the reformation is important it's important to study we covered that why it is um but god can move in all different kinds of ways and hallelujah praise name for that truth well, Man. let's bring it. Let's bring this to a to a close. It's been a wonderful discussion, guys. I've really enjoyed talking about the Reformation with you. Um, I've learned a lot just by talking with you guys. Really, um, same hope... here. <laughs> well, that's a first, Josh. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I like you're mentioning the Thirty Years' War, and I that's something I, you know, it's just. I think it was sixteen eighteen to sixteen forty eight, and it's just that period. But I don't know. You know, who was fighting who and you know what what was going on so uh, i i mean i have questions perhaps for another time 
Oh, we, we, we did a whole talking of 30 years war. Uh, well, um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you again. I, mean, I hope you guys listening have enjoyed this. Uh, let us know what you think about it, because we'd love to hear from you if, if you uh, like it or not. Um, but we'll do it. Hopefully, we don't hopefully want to hear from this. you if you don't like it. Too. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> please, please leave us alone. Um, but hopefully we aim to do this maybe once a month and have a, have a chat about uh, either church history or social issue or whatever it could be. Um, so hopefully we'll see you again joining, joining me, Ryan and Josh in our lovely discussions and maybe our people, who knows. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. Be blessed and have a wonderful rest That's of the day. classic Christian. Whatever time. Farewell greetings. <laughs> Josh, shut up. Josh, shut up, Josh. I'm trying to end the video. <laughs> um, but no, really, you know, yeah, have a wonderful time and we'll hopefully see you very soon. Thank you very much for listening and bye for now. Goodbye.